0: The Spot Track Podcast,
1: talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real-time commentary, and powerful stories, covering every single sport than the athletic. With comprehensive coverage of the Players Championship, the NFL offseason, Major League Baseball's push to the regular season, the NBA's midpoint and trade deadline, and plenty, plenty more. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of ad-free content every day. For access to all the stories, visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get 40% off your first year subscription, theathletic.com slash spot track. Sunday afternoon, my name is Mike Giannetti. We're here, we're about 12 hours from the official tampering window opening, uh, which basically means you know, agents are actually allowed to talk to other teams, even though there's plenty of that probably happening. Wink, wink right now. Certainly there are teams keeping their own. And we're going to have Scott on here quickly soon to kind of break down some of those team extensions. Um, For the open here, I just want to hit on Drew Brees because there's a lot to unpack, not only with his career, obviously, and I'm going to let other shows break down the statistical phenomenon that he was the unlikeliness right, of him getting to this point, having the career he had, the, the the exit from San Diego, the injuries, the the height, all that stuff is for other shows. Obviously, I want to talk about the 270 million and how he got there. Just a quick career financial encapsulation of Drew Brees. A, I, I love this. I, I saw somebody say. This is a guy that roller skates into Canton, right? I mean, there couldn't be a more first ballot Hall of Famer than Drew Brees. What he meant to the league, what he meant to the city of New Orleans, certainly to a lot of players over the course of a long season—twenty years, twenty years, two hundred and sixty-nine point seven million, just under two seventy. Um, did it his way too. This was big time money after. You know, everyone in the world realized, hey, this guy's not a castaway. This guy's not too small. He's a legitimate franchise starting quarterback. In 2012, he went five for a hundred, you know, and that's after a, a notable rookie contract, less than four million, um, as a as a second round pick, you know, kind of a Kirk Cousins type situation comes into the league. We're out of the Big Ten, by the way, per Purdue. Four years, 3.6 to start it in San Diego. They, uh, they franchise tag him after that rookie contract on $8 million. And he is then off after that free agency. Six years, $60 million to New Orleans. So right away, New Orleans knew something to give him $10 million a year in 2006. It's a different world. You know, six for 60 in 2006 is a heck of a lot different than six for 60 right now. And uh, Breeze played that sucker out for the most part, there were some restructures built into that, you know, but it's the saints. So of course that's, that's going to be a thing. Uh, he played that out. He played six full years out of that contract. There were a couple of void years that carried over, but after that, it got weird, right? There was another franchise tag in 2012 that kind of figured out what to do with them. They did end up extending him off that franchise tag. At the deadline by the way july 13th so really with 48 hours to go that's when breeze gets that five year 100 billion dollars so okay so now we're playing okay so you know when we went from nice rookie contract to double compensation on the franchise tag then he exits san diego plays out a six for 60 ends up making 57 and change um with that first contract in new orleans they tag him to keep his place. He goes five for hundred. He sees four for eighty. So really, no uh, no messing around at that point. And we're just kind of into that new CBA, just kind of into that new hard cap. New Orleans really didn't figure out all their loopholes yet. But look at they were restructuring. <laughs> they were doing all the fancy thing, the fancy things still. Um, and that's obviously where things started. Here's where we go after that. That last year of the of the hundred million dollar contract, they rip it up. Extend him to one year twenty four million with a big bonus, you know, three void years. Here we go, right? Here comes that two years of real money, three years of void. Uh, and this was two thousand and sixteen. So it's not like this is new. What we're seeing right now in every franchise, certainly in, in New Orleans, but this was happening years and years ago. I remember Richard Seymour way back in the day with the Raiders. he got he got a void year contract with a couple of restructures to boot after that. This is not new. New England was doing this. Philadelphia has been doing this for a long time. Detroit really picked up steam on this lately. So here we are. Drew Brees gets the one-year extension with void years in 2016, spreads that cap out, gets a nice big signing bonus. That's what he and Brady have been doing now back and forth for the better part of six, seven years. And that's how they've been operating with their extensions. It's let's get in, let's get out. Let's lower the cap hit for the next year. Get me, get me a brand new signing bonus. If we got to have void years, if 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 we feel the best way to continue on with this is to spread things down as much as possible, fine. We're all in. We're all in for that because we're making good coin at thirty six, thirty seven, now forty, forty one, forty two. Brady's obviously now into forty four, forty five. It just makes good, sensible sense for both sides. There's control for the teams. There's good cash in hand for the players. You know, not great, not elite cash, but that's that's reckless to go elite at this point. And it's reckless to take pay cuts, <laughs> you know, if you're Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think he had n- many options. It was probably don't play or take a pay cut. But you know, you're you aren't seeing those guys these guys do that. Tom Brady not taking a pay cut. In fact, he got a million more in a contract we'll talk about in a second. Drew Brees consistently took twenty to twenty five million pretty pretty much every year. So twenty sixteen he gets thirty-one with his bonus. You know, he gets another 17, 18 million the year after and uh they do it all over again in 2018 a couple of void years tacked onto a two for 50. they do it all again a year after that a couple of void years tack on a two for 50 and it's good stuff all right it's it's good cash for breeze it is obviously allowing a saints team that loves to live right up against that salary cap to do what they have to do on an annual basis and even in the, in the past couple of seasons when breeze had injuries or maybe was starting to show that decline, no one ever really looked at his contract and said, man, this guy's a pain in our ass, (laughs) right? (laughs) This guy, we really regret doing what we did here. It just never got to that point because of the back and forth that New Orleans and Drew Brees really had the past almost seven to eight years. You know, once they kind of figure out this restructure void system, it benefited both. So 269.7 is the total number over 20 seasons. Obviously that's on field only. He, uh, He's done quite well for himself elsewhere. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So plenty of a, plenty of good coin, a hell of a career, a hell of a statistical career, probably not as many wins, you know postseason wise as he would have wanted. of course, that goes without saying, but we know enough about Drew Brees to know how great he was and uh, the odds were certainly against him out of the gate. So this is this is a celebration really. This is some kind of retirement here. And speaking of which, the final note on Drew Brees is of course this void the final void that his current contract comes with. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, the Saints cap gymnastics this year started with Drew Brees. He had a basically $25 million base salary for the 2021 season. He restructured that, basically just said, let's just take 23 million of it away, you know, 23 and change, 23.9, almost 24 million Let's just take it away and drop my base salary down to the minimum $1.075 million. So that's how you see it on Spotrac right now. You see a minimum salary and his proration for signing in restructure bonus adding up to $12.2 million of cap hit. That's going to stay that way um, with the Saints until June 2nd. So there was purpose to that pay cut. You, know, and it, and it, you can't really call it a pay cut because he was never going to make any money. So the fact that he you know, had a $25 million salary at one point this year is moot because he's retiring officially now and he's going to make $0 from the Saints. So anything we talk about now going forward is just cap. It's not cash. Drew Brees has made his 269.7. He will not make a single dollar more from the Saints in his contracts, but there is cap left over. So here's how it breaks down. That $12.2 million cap, it will remain with the Saints on their active roster, by the way, until June 1st. After 4 p.m. Eastern, June 1st, the Saints can officially process his retirement, make him, you know, send him to the reserve retired list. And at that point, he essentially becomes a post-June 1st retirement, okay? And the $22.65 million of dead cap will now split. It'll be $11.15 million in 2021. So, you know, a $1.1 million cap savings if you consider what's staying on their cap through June 1st. That'll drop to 11.1. Another 11.5 hits next year, so that's not great. <laughs> you know, it's not great if they don't have a quarterback situation figured out next year. But better than 22.65 this year in, in the cap crunch. Uh, so again, 11.15 million of dead cap this year, 11.5 million next year at June 1st. When you look at the Saints salary cap table for the next three months until June 1st, Drew Brees is going to be there. He's going to be a line item in their cap table. could be basically considered a post-June 1st cut. And it'll be $12.2 million of cap until June 2nd, and then it becomes $11.15 million, just to say that again out loud. And that's it. Hell of a career. There's uh, some cap left over that the Saints will account for this the next year. And it's on to the next big contract, which I want to wait for Scott to get to because just as Drew Brees announced his retirement, Social media-wise, the Saints then retorted with a thank you and plenty of good words, and then a monster contract announcement, which I have to bring down to earth for you. So let's get to Scott and open with that. Scott, welcome to the show. What's more shocking, Taysom Hill's four-year $140 million extension, or A-Rod and J-Lo ending their relationship?
0: (laughs) Um. A-Rod and J-Lo. Incorrect. It's a
1: trick question because it sounds like neither of these things are are at all true. Yeah. Uh, let's get into no, it. Yeah. <laughs> let's get L- into let me it.
0: Go ahead. Yeah. L- let me rant. Let me rant on this Some Hill thing. <laughs> you know, it comes across four for 140. Then I see your retweet about, you know, it's really this. And I've got a huge issue. I If the Saints are, you know, putting this out there as a, <laughs> as a, you know jab to everyone out there and DAC that just signed and all that okay but I've got a huge issue with the fact that they're putting this number out that <laughs> it doesn't even exist and there's dummy years but it's not really four for 140 and everyone has issues with you know Who's first? Who's next? And if the numbers that are being put out are accurate or not? Right. Th- th- this four for one forty is not accurate. In it,
1: it, it, it's like one percent accurate. It's like one percent accurate. So you're the, right. It's four
0: should be ashamed that this number is out there because <laughs> in infamy that this number is going to be out there, and you know, some kid yeah. in twenty years is going to think Taysom Hill. Really was getting a four for 140 when they're running analytics or something. And well, I, I've got a really bad, a yeah, issue
1: let's. With that. I'll give you, well, before I go nuts and break this thing down uh, in terms of what you know could be and should be and will be and won't be, look, let's put let's keep it simple with a real life application. One of the first comments I got on that retweet where I broke down my translation of what was coming here was from a dynasty fantasy owner who uses real salary caps, real contracts, real average salary. I know there are a lot of you out there listening that that are in this boat and rely on sites and average salaries of current contracts to draft and manipulate rosters in fantasy football. So one of the questions was well what the hell is Chase Hill count for now? Is he 35 million that's a, great a year? Point. It yeah, is. That's a great it, point. It's real life for, for some people. It's real fantasy life, right? In our system, and this has been my rule since day one, and I've been, you know, yelled at, discounted, told I'm wrong, told I'm an idiot, told them I don't know what I'm doing. This is what I've always been told by smart people and by league league officials. It is new money, new years, and base money. That's what we rely on. So if something says incentive next to it, unless it's likely to be earned, it doesn't count. Account for the base contract. So that's why. And I'm not blaming Adam Schefter because it was his tweet that came out with the 4 for 140. This is what the agent texted Adam Schefter, I'm sure, or texted ESPN that came down the line. This is the agent doing this, by the way. That's fine. When you go into the NFLPA system, you know, or the agent system, or wherever this contract lives right now, there's going to be base sal- salaries for 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. They're going to exist. There's going to be $140 million on this contract visibly, okay? So it's not like it's 100% fake, Scott, all right? And I actually actually countered my tweet with a comment basically saying, look, there's probably some trigger here that Taysom Hill can hit that actually makes this contract come true, whether it's the full 140 or whether it's he gets to play next year too. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a rolling unlock of these voids, but when I see Taysom Hill signed an extension with void years and a $9 million signing bonus, to me, this is nothing more than player X restructuring their, the last year of their contract, getting a signing bonus, You know, converting base salary into a signing bonus, and adding four dummy years to, to prorate that bonus. Right now, that's all that's happening with Taysom Hill. Okay? Taysom Hill was supposed to make $12.159 million dollars of cash on his last contract, a big base salary and a roster bonus, which was guaranteed. You know, there was like five and a half million fully guaranteed here on on that contract. But there was a cap hit of 16.1 because there was bonus proration from the previous signing bonus. All the Saints are doing here right now, initially, is taking that roster bonus, taking that base salary. It's the same cash. Exact same cash to the dollar, $12.159 million. But now it's a $1 million salary. Now it's a $1.4 million roster bonus. Now it's a $9.6 million signing bonus. And that bonus can go over five years for cap purposes. That's why you add the four dummy years. Yes, there's probably a $35 million salary next year and a $35 million salary after that. They exist. They're there, but they're in italics right now because as of right now, the 2022 through 2025 league years will automatically void at some point next offseason, You know, unless Taysom Hill hits X snap accounts and throws for X passing yards and wins X games and makes the playoffs and yada yada whatever it is, I'm sure we'll get those number. You know, those details soon. But it is a restructured contract with dummy void years right now. That's it. One for twelve, and it's not even new money. It's just it's the exact same money. Flipped around cap gymnastics, and they saved themselves seven and a half million dollars of cap space this year. That's the that's the story right now. I don't want to say the rest of it is one hundred percent garbage, Scott, but it's like ninety nine point one percent garbage. Okay, and it sounds great, and it sounds even better four minutes after Drew Brees retires. I mean the the marketing PR here is just it's it's A plus troll level. It is a plus trolling this whole situation because because yeah. wait till you see Jameis Winston's salary tomorrow. You know yeah. it's going to look exactly like Cam Newton. By the way, I'm spoiler. He's going to get Cam Newton's contract, which we'll talk about in a second here. But that's coming too. This is all calculated stuff. The four for one forty is funny. It's funny. It's hysterical. Okay, there's only been two quarterbacks that have a four for one forty. That's Russell Wilson and Taysom Hill. We're not having that conversation ever again. Okay. That's it. That's the last time I say that sentence. It's one for 12. It's not even new money. It's just a restructure. They save seven and a half a cap. They are, by the way, like three and a half, four million away from cap neutral. So the Saints cap hell is over. They can extend, you know, Marcus Williams off that tag. They can extend Marshawn Lattimore. They can extend Ryan Ramchek out of their fifth year options. And they'll be over, you know, they'll be in good cap stance. They'll be in the blacks. So they did it. They cut a hell of a lot of people. They restructured a hell of a lot of people. This is just the latest restructure. That's all. You can be mad about it because you're right. The average fan who doesn't go through the work to, to get to somebody like me who writes something or this show or, or or other shows that will break it down like I just did. The average fan who just goes to the paper tomorrow and sees four for 140 for Taysom Hill is going to spit his freaking coffee out, right? Yes. Because he's a gimmicky tight end special teamer or like who you can said, play quarterback. He, but not at or, thirty-five million a year right now.
0: <laughs> or, or like you said, the, the dynasty owner who's got him, yes, and it just yes. it's like, oh my god, my roster is screwed.
1: Right, my backup because- tight end now costs me thirty-five million a year. I'm dead. Um, right, but that's that's what I'm saying. There is some real life application to this right now, and uh, we got to be smarter about that. So for for all of you out there who play dynasty and, and use our numbers, he's a twelve million dollar quarterback for us right now. So you've actually gained four million. Cause he was a 16.3 last year. <laughs> so this is a good restructure if you're a Taysom Hill owner. Cause look, I, I don't know. Is it, is there like a 49% chance he's the starting quarterback next year? Don't you think it's probably, oh, yeah. probably Jamis in a small majority and then Taysom right behind him? Yeah, I would think so. That's how I look at it. All right, let's get off the saints. Look, they're, they're, they're doing their work. We all knew this was coming. Like I said, they're close. There's a couple of extensions away. Um, I mentioned the Drew B stuff. Uh, you know, he's going to stick on that cap for a couple more months as well, and then they'll save him a mi- about a million and a half when that flips over. I'll give you a, a couple of teams we can talk about here, Scott. Let's just break down obviously some moves because we're uh, we're in the precursor before the tampering window, before the actual signing period, before we get to you know you know how it goes this week. It's going to be coming out like a you know you know like a cavalry. Bills, Bucks, we can talk Pats and Cam or Houston. Where do you want to start? Let's start with our bills. Okay. Our bills. Ooh. Um, <laughs> well, no, this is not our bills. And that's the conversation that has to be had here. This is not a bills franchise that anyone who follows this team or anyone who's, you know, follows the AFC East has seen in quite a while. This is, no,
0: you're right. This is you're
1: Patriot right. stuff here. Um, three outright pay cuts. Four extensions, three of them well under our calculated values, which basically say, if you get to the open market, this is what you're worth. I mean, that's what those numbers say. Our, our numbers don't account for team friendly or hometown discount. That's all Brandon Bean got here. I mean, Matt Milano went two to three million under. Daryl Williams went probably one one and a half under. Philippe John Feliciano just signed. Nobody probably knows it because it was sandwiched in between Drew Brees' retirement, Marcus Cannon's trade. And Taysom Hills, not $140 million extension. So John Feliciano goes for three max 17 to stay with the Bills as a swing guard ta- or center, a really valuable piece. And when I see the base value of that, I bet you it's more like 15 million. So 5 million a year for a, for a good piece to that puzzle. Um, and then we saw Micah Hyde sign a few weeks ago at right about his right about where he belongs. Basically the same contract as Jordan Poyer. Um, You know, the bills were about keeping that safety set together for the next two seasons. That was a no-brainer move. That one's probably right at value. So maybe not much of a discount there. Everything else has been Brandon being saying, this is who we are now. We are an AFC champion team. Um, That's who we expect to be now for the next few seasons. And whether there's a cap crunch or not, this is the going (laughs) rate. You know, we've got other pieces to add still. We need an edge rusher. We need a cornerback. We need a tight end. So there's more mouths to feed. And I don't think anyone in our position who kind of evaluates the numbers said, hey, if these guys all go and find a market value contract, they're gone. And the Bills didn't even let them get there. These guys wanted to stay here so badly that it was about taking a little bit less to be happy, to have a legitimate chance, and to stay in this culture that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have built. It's all credit to them. We've seen this before with other teams. Um, By the way, this is not the Chiefs the Chiefs did not do this. They paid Tyreek Hill big. They paid Chris Jones big. They paid Mahomes max. They paid Travis Kelsey max. So, you know, they nickel and dimed in some other places. Tyron Matthews is going to get a max safety deal this offseason. Two very different situations here, you know? Yeah, Um, they are. And Brandon Bean is not putting his foot down. He's not restructuring. He has yet to restructure a contract, Scott. There's zero restructures on that salary cap table. He might have to get there. If, if, for instance, they're in the Johnu Smith or, or Hunter Henry conversation, mm-hmm. things get a little expensive there. But this is about you're on the bubble. If you want to take you know, a million and a half less to stay this year, we're happy to do that and keep you on the books. Three guys have already said yes to that, including the starting center. <laughs> and, uh, and like I said, four guys come back at, at a bit of a hometown discount. Any thoughts? I mean, there's really not much more to say to that outside of how much more can the Bills do? You know, do you expect them to be active in the next couple of days here? Or is this going to be more about the draft and maybe some trades, which was successful last year for this franchise?
0: Well, to start, I'm going to say th- this is kudos to the culture that they've yeah. created in the bills for the fact that they've been able to retain these guys because Matt Milano was one of the premier linebackers that were going to go out in free agency and, and they kept him. Uh, and I'm glad to see that. Uh, they've locked up some of these other guys. And like you said, they, they, when guys are taking pay cuts,
1: you know, things are going well. Yeah.
0: Things are going well. And and they like where they're at. They don't want to go somewhere else. They like the, the culture. They like the guys that are on the roster at this time. Um, so I, I, I give them kudos for getting rid of all those bad contracts because it has led to where we're at now. And like you've said, they're staggering these contracts yeah. really well. It's it's three years here, and then a four year, and then a three year, and they're they're staggering all these positions, in in different manners. And then on top of that, I I, I think, I think they're going to play their cards close to their hand in free agency, mm-hmm. for the fact that. They don't have to go out and spend or overspend on a guy because they've locked up guys that they really like. Now, if there are guys on the market that they feel are they're, going to I enhance, think they have names.
1: Yeah, I think there's probably you know, one or two right. edge rushers. I bet you there's a running back or two out there. you know, a vet running back. I, I, I think there's some positions they're considering. let me let me ask you this, Scott, because you kind of alluded to it there too. We had this conversation with the Chiefs last year, and we've had it with you know the Lakers and some some te- the heat. Um, you know, teams that kind of get there, at least knock down the door of a championship season. Are the Bills keeping too many players? Are they are they maybe sitting on their hands a little bit too much here? We've talked about how, yeah, we've talked about how maybe one or two shakeups just to ruffle some feathers, keep guys fresh, you know, keep some competition where it belongs. That That seems to do the trick in terms of at least getting yourself back to where they were. Now, I'm not sure the Chiefs did much of that at all, and they found themselves back in the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's not it's not like we have analytics that say you absolutely should let your swing offensive lineman leave and upgrade him in the third round, whatever it is. But this is clearly everybody who wants to come back at our price is allowed back. You know, there's not one player right now outside of John Brown, which was really just good business, that... You know, they're not at least trying to get back. So, is it too much of falling in love with who you are, or are they going to be okay at least in 2021?
0: I think they're going to be okay. I think they have a plan in place that uh, they know where they want to go, and they probably have a few guys that they want to target in free agency to bring in some fresh blood. They've at least kept some of the core in place, and they had to release a few guys, so they've gotten rid of that and created some space to bring in those guys. But they also have to keep in mind that the draft picks that they're going to have are going to have to account for some of that cap space down the line as well, Yeah. but – But the fact that the the draft is still a month and a half away and you don't necessarily have to sign them right away, they have wiggle room to say, all right, we're going to bring in some vets now. We'll see how it goes. And if we have to release some guys on the back end to clear some space, then we'll do so. So I, I expect them to bring in a few veteran guys that are going to bring in some fresh blood, maybe some fresh eyes, and then on top of it, do what they have to
1: do in the draft. I'm going to give you four names, five names. Can I give you five names? Tight ends a big need for the bills and it's a good, it's a good position in the draft, but I think the, you know, the number one will go way before them in the first round. So it's, it'd be more of a mid round pick for them if they can get that done. Is it a mid round pick? Is it Hunter Henry? Is it Johnu Smith or is it via the trade, David Njoku or OJ Howard? Oh, interesting. Pretty sure all are at least semi-available <laughs> based on the, some of the work I've done. I'd have to see what the trade metrics would
0: be as far as yeah. what would be coming back to them, because I think that would be important. I mean, if
1: it's Well, Philadelphia if it's a wants wash- a third-round pick for Zach Ertz. That's not happening. So let's say that OJ Howard on an expiring fifth year option is a third round pick. Is that fair? He's a number 19 overall selection four years ago.
0: Yeah, I would consider it. Yeah. I really would because, you know, the further down in the draft you get, like we've talked about, you know, some of the, it's probably less than a 50 50 chance that those guys hit so and we know the third fourth round are usually where they they hit those uh, running backs where right. the bills have done that in the past so if you're if you're you think you're good on those running backs and you want to give up a third to get that tight end and i i would say yes
1: speaking of running backs just disclosure here um Aaron Jones did just sign about an hour ago to to remain a Green Bay Packer. I don't even want to talk about it until I see it. Is that fair? That is absolutely because I know it's four for 48. That means nothing to me. I know there's a $13 million signing bonus. That starts to say something that, Hey, there's some money up front because that's 5 million more than what his franchise tag would have been. So let's, (laughs) I can say that out loud, but until I see, those guarantees, what the actual base value of that contract is. I really don't want to touch it at all. I'm happy he's staying in Green Bay. I don't understand at all how this move correlates with what they've done in the draft the past two years. <laughs> uh, because there's, you know, is A.J. Dillon just not going to play on his rookie contract? I, I don't know. You know, what is Jordan Love's role in this? Are they, are they really going to flip this over at some point? I don't get it. I'm glad he's back with Green Bay. It worked there. So I'm, I'm happy he's going to be able to go play some ball and he's making some money to do it. But just out of, you know, the Taysom Hill conversation, I don't want to break down a contract. I don't, I don't have the ability to break down because I don't think it's four for 48. I, I, I'm thinking it's more like two for 26. Still great, but that would be my assumption. It's more like that. And uh, we'll get to that next show when I have the numbers. So just full disclosure on the running back situation. Good to see that signing happen. I'm just not going to speak to the 48 million just yet. All right, enough from the Bills. Outstanding start. I I tend to think they have one big player in mind for Wednesday, whether that's an edge rusher or maybe one of these tight ends. And when that price gets too high, they're out and they're sitting on their hands for like four days. That feels like what this team's going to do right now. We're just not going to budge. There's probably one guy out there where we will overpay for, but if it gets bonkers and we get into bidding wars, we're out. We're going to sit back, let a couple of guys fall in terms of value. We'll pick up plan B and we'll, we'll address it. You know, if we've got to trade a couple of our guys to to acquire some more mid round draft picks, I think that's also on their table. So you can go snag your tight end with that. You can go snag a cornerback with that. Plenty of options. Good, good start for Buffalo. No question about it. Easily. I would say the, uh, the team of the pre, what what do we call it? Pre-agency. Let's call the bills, (laughs) the pre-agency winners. Let's get to the bucks. Um, just your thoughts on Levante, David, Tom Brady and Chris Godwin now back in the fold.
0: Similar situation to the Bills, I think. Yeah. And the fact that they're 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 sort of keeping their core there that got them to the to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, what was Tom? What was his extension? Okay, you know?
1: I, I got to jump in because you and I were joking about this, right? But when we knew it we was were. coming, we were we were, we knew it was coming, and I joked and said to you. How boss would it be if this is like a one-year $50 million extension with void years so it would spread out, the cap would still be coming down, but they just went out there and said, we're giving this guy one for 50 just to be able to put it out there and say that Tom Brady finally made his money, even though we all know how this stuff works now. And then <laughs> the rival Saints go and actually do this with Taysom Hill 24 hours later. They, a- they actually do what I thought Tom Brady should have done which is put out this fake one for 50, which is not one for 50. Um, yeah. That just made me laugh out loud because the saints are just the best. <laughs> They're the best, you know, they might never win again in this current regime, but the way that they do things financially is so interesting and so fun. And this is just example, I don't know, 97 of it with Taysom Hill. Yeah. Brady's contract is pretty simple. It's basically another two for 50, uh, he's actually making a million dollars more this year than he was slated to make on the previous contract. Here's the cool thing about it. And I actually get some confirmation from Greg Alman from the Athletic. So my thoughts, my appreciation out to him for looking into this for me. They they basically have the exact same set of incentives for Tom Brady, Scott. So it's, you know, if he gets to the postseason, if he plays enough snaps, he'll make, you know, two, three, four million dollars more up to up, up to, a, I believe, four and a half a year. Yeah, four and a half a year max over the next two seasons uh, annually. But it's based on, are you top five statistically in the, in, the big, in the big quarterback stats? Passer rating, completion percentage, passing yards, touchdown passes, yards per attempt. Fine. Then it's, how far do you get in the playoffs? If you win the Super Bowl, are you playing 75% of all that? Fine. Here's what they did. Because... Because of obviously what happened last year with the Super Bowl, and he had a monster statistical year, almost four million of those would have been likely to be earned on that, and, and they were going to be on the previous contract. Here's what they did when they when they signed the new contract: same set of statistics, same set of incentives, same price, except he can, he's got to be top five in passing yards again, and the Buccaneers have to improve their rush per attempt stat. So for instance, they were the 26th best team in rush per attempt last year. <laughs> if they're 25th or better and Tom Brady is top five in passing yards, he gets a $562,000 bonus. But, but both of those things have to happen. And because of the rushing, rushing part of it, all of his incentives become not likely to be earned. That's brilliant. That, that caveat exists for everything. Even if he wins the freaking Super Bowl, but they don't improve their run game, he won't get his two and a half million dollars. That's
0: brilliant. Yeah, brilliant.
1: So that little move, that little caveat, takes away almost four million in cap space right there.
0: I wonder how many teams jump on and do something similar <laughs>
1: to throw the, this
0: bonkers stat to just attach to attach to it. You know, yeah,
1: it's something to, that to, really got kind of pushed down because Albert Breer did a really nice job breaking a lot of this down. And he threw that in there, and then I had to do some homework on it and, like I said, confirm it myself. But, you know, that's not something you just read and understand right away. And it took me a few times as well. It is brilliant. And, by the way, the fact that Brady agreed to it is pretty, pretty great too. Because think about it from his perspective, like I just said. What if he wins the Super Bowl, but Ronald Jones doesn't improve his yards per average <laughs> or yards per attempt, and as a team, they don't get to 25th, and he, he misses out on millions, literally millions of dollars because of the, the Buccaneers run game. So good on him for agreeing to something like this, too, because this is a cap gymnastics move. This is, look, at we all got to get better together, and then I'll get my money. Otherwise, I'm not getting a dime in terms of uh, more than my base. So pretty similar stuff. They end up saving $19 million in cap space with this move, which is bonkers. Um, but a lot of it has to do with that, that uh, incentive caveat. So it's really interesting, really neat. It's part of the creativity we're starting to see just everywhere. I know you said it to me today. The, the void year stuff is out of control, right?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Get I used to it. it. <laughs> it, it
0: you, you explained it to me five times and I'm still confused by it. So I'm not going to ask any more questions about it.
1: <laughs> well, I'll give it to you this way. Taysom Hill, if he's one and done, if he makes this $12 million and then walks away from the Saints next year, he still accounts for $7.7 million in dead cap to walk away next year. That's what void years do. It pushes it down to a a situation I just don't
0: understand how they're built into the contract. Yeah, how it's legal. Legal and all all of that, but that can be for another time.
1: Yeah, it's it's CBA stuff. That's what it is. Uh, Chris Godwin on a franchise tag. Any inkling there? Anything you're reading or hearing? I mean, he's going to extend it, you think? They probably won't keep a a $16 million cap hit, right?
0: Yeah, I- I would expect them to try to get the to to make as much space as possible yeah. by extending him. So, I I guess I ex, I expect that to happen.
1: Okay. All right. Uh let's get to Cam. Speaking of quarterback contracts. This one's funny. Um did you expect yeah. this?
0: Which part? The one that it was a uh, came out that it was No, a- just
1: just in general, did you expect Cam Newton to be back with New England?
0: Yes. Okay. In a way, because you know, a one year he's been in the system. He had COVID, so he had a wonky year as it was. So, you know, part of me thought he would probably be back. Um, In it probably goes to New England doesn't necessarily want to give up too much to have to go get some of the quarterbacks we've talked about. That you know, if they had to make a trade or perhaps they see someone in the draft that they're eyeing, that they think, all right, we can, Cam can be that, that stopgap." And I've heard this a few times, uh, you know, over the past few days that there are certain quarterbacks in the draft that, you know, could, could come in and learn from Cam and yeah. is yeah. similar style. So I think they, a lot of maybe, people think
1: Trey Lance is the, and that's who I was right?
0: alluding to.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, One thing on Brady that also applies here to Cam somewhat, there's also a 17th game bonus on Tom Brady's contract. 1.4 million. So if the league does go 17 games this year or next year, that will kick in. Not likely now. It'll kick in after the fact. You know what I mean? So it's, again, a little bit of cap gymnastics. But that's... uh, I haven't heard enough about that because I think it's coming. I think there's going to be a 17-game schedule this year. And... You know, are these new contracts compensated fairly for that? Do, so good to hear that do, Brady has that in there. Do you think that nothing has been talked about it because it probably
0: has to do with the TV deals yeah. that are going on, and so everything's going to sort of come out all at once,
1: probably. Yeah, no question, it's part of the negotiation, so it's kind of behind the behind the boardroom right now. Uh, but speaking of which, Cam Newton has per game active bonuses on this, and those are built via a 17 week game schedule, which actually lowers the cap hit because. 1.5 million divided by 16 is more than 1.5 million divided by 17. So the Patriots did save a little bit of cap space doing that as well. So they're assuming the same. They're, they're building in their quarterback contracts here that this is going to be a 17-week schedule. It's $3.5 million fully guaranteed for Cam with the base salary and the signing bonus. He made $3.9 million last year when, when you factor in the incentives. So when you just start there, it's basically exactly where they were last year with him. You know, and it's, you know, it's low, but it's by low. Could be fairly good ceiling, don't you think? I mean, you're right. He had
0: Yeah, the, had the report came out that it was... He was recovering.
1: He just wasn't himself. There's a there's a good chance he starts all 17 weeks for this yeah, team. Yeah,
0: and that report came out. It was a one for 14, but then all of a sudden oh. it's a one for five. You know, the, the, again, I get what they're trying to do all across the league. They all want to one up, and they all want to have that highest value possible out there, but you know, it, it, even that's getting out of hand.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cam's going to have to do a heck of a lot to get the 14. Let's put it that way. Um
0: Let me ask you this question with the, the per game stuff. Okay. You know, so if, if it goes from 16 to 17, have you seen where these per game roster bonuses are based on a threshold? So if it's eight, if I'm, per game roster of eight games or more or ten games or more, where it's a greater than or equal to aspect or I haven't is- seen
1: that and I haven't heard of percentages. So if you play ninety five percent of the games, you get this. if you play one hundred percent of the yeah. games, you get this. I, I would certainly go for the latter there the percentage based system. i all I know is this. I've been told by a couple of agents now that that the switch from sixteen to seventeen, is only going to be it's going to be contract to contract. So if the, if your current contract doesn't have the language to increase by, you know, the factor of one additional game week in those per game bonuses, it's not going to happen. You're just going to be divided by 17 instead of 16 now and you're going to have to live with how that factors out compensation wise. But it does sound like a good majority of the agents are building that into these new contracts because the assumption is largely that this is going to be a 17 game season. So, just something else to keep an eye out for when you're talking about incentives. When you're talking about, you know, th- yeah, even even just like sack incentives. You know, the 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 chances of getting six sacks is percentage points greater if there's an extra game out there, right? I mean, right. so those those pinpoint valued incentives like you're talking about here versus more of a a range or a percentage base. The it's risky for team or player, depending on how you look at it. But I haven't seen any kind of thing where it's plus eight, minus eight, that kind of, th- I think, I think we might get there, but especially because you can do it. You can, you can get a lot more gray area with how those incentives may be likely or not based mm-hmm. on last year. Uh, something that obviously with this year specifically teams are getting a lot more, um, I don't know prevalent with i mean these are complicated this cam newton contract and these tom brady contracts they're complicated it is i've got novels underneath these (laughs) these cap pros that basically try to explain what the heck is going on here i mean most of it with cam is he's got to play a certain amount of snaps he's got to get to the playoffs you know there's a big big bonus for super bowl and super bowl mvp and all that stuff but if he uh you know if he goes and plays if he's the quarterback starting quarterback for 15 of 16 or 17 games he's going to make himself an extra mil and a half minimum. And that's pretty much all he'll need. If they don't make it to the postseason, he'll make about a mil and a half more, which brings him to about, you know, 7 million. So one for seven, about half of what you actually saw initially, the one for 14. It's just the life we live in because teams are getting smarter with it. Media is getting smarter with it, but that max value still has to exist. You know, just because right, we, just because we don't have it as our value doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's just it's not the likely or even the practical value to use. You know, it's the right. max value, so it's there. If you add up all the incentives we have in bullet points below the contract, it's just you know we got to start at at bare bones and, and I'll let guys get there with wins and production and whatever. Well, then
0: if that if that's the case, then reporters need to phrase it as max one year maximum $14 million to yeah. at least be more accurate than just saying it's a one for 14.
1: No question. No question. All right. Real quickly on Houston. I I, I wanted to give Houston, and it's good we're finishing with this. <laughs> uh, I've H- got one question at the end
0: for you after this.
1: Is it Houston based? No, it is Go not. Go ahead. Throw it in then.
0: So we talk about this pre-agency mm-hmm. tampering. Do do you like this system where teams like the Bills have been able to do these extensions and restructures? And I, we may have had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, but now that everything is coming to fruition here, you know, we, we have other, other sports, NHL, NBA, MLB, where, you know, you, you can't sign these guys until free agency actually hits, even if it is extensions like this, you, you know. The NBA has some extensions. You can do trades, but it's based on the money of the current year, which would be 20 in this case um, because of matching salaries. But do do you like that teams can do all of these extensions now leading up, or would you prefer everything to have to be in lingo until the league year hits and then they're free agents?
1: It's a tough question to answer. Uh, because we do live in all those worlds, and uh, I know and ha- kind of have to compare them I, I think this is how I would lean um you know every with basketball, for instance, over the next couple of weeks, as this trade deadline approaches, there's going to be certain players that if they aren't traded, the conversation's going to turn to well they 're definitely done with that team they 're done you know yes. they 're never coming back because the ability to extend them is basically gone at this point. You know, they right. can't they can't negotiate anymore with this team prior to July 1st when everyone else gets to negotiate with them as well. So that's what you're kind of speaking to here is should yes. teams be able to you know have a chance to hold on to their core before free agency starts and other teams get involved? I, I think the the run up, you know, this this Bills run, for instance, this four to five, six contracts that have been adjusted over the past couple of weeks. This run-up is not only fair to big rosters like the NFL has, you know, you want to be able to, get, to kind of segment your process. So there's in-house guys we got to take care of before we go and try to bring in some open market guys. And then there's some trade guys that we bring into that conversation too, that we focus on prospects and draft and, and the UDFA. There's just so many elements to the NFL roster that I think segmenting like this or allowing franchises to do it is just fair. But also, you know the Russell Westbrook situation, for instance, a couple of years ago, where there was he was gone. We knew he was gone. The only thing we could talk about is he's he's gone. Where is he going? This here, so for instance, Matt Milano. Everybody's saying he's gone, but Buffalo still had all of this time and opportunity to do the work on it and try to get him to stay. You had both sides of the fence available. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at no time do the bills have to operate like he's definitely gone or he's definitely going to explore other options. So I think having all of the avenues open is is not only more interesting and more fair, but more interesting to us, to the public that generates, you know, the the attention and the talk and the conversation. I think it's one of the reasons why the NFL is just king with everything with this stuff, because we can always have a yin and yang conversation about every single player all year round. Josh Allen may not be extended until December 1st, till like week 14, but it's possible that he's extended. You know what I mean? There's not really a lock. There's not a lock on when the Bills could extend Josh Allen. So it can be a constant conversation. Think about Dak Prescott. I talked about Dak Prescott's contract more than I talked about my wife. And, you know, at any point in time over the past two years, it's just how it was. Dak was everywhere because of the unknown. Will he stay? Will he go? Where does he fit? What can he sign for? Will he not sign? Was the franchise tag coming? the options and the availability are so big and so vast. You can't help but sit back and hot stove this, this sport constantly. So I just think that being able to think on both sides of it all the time is more interesting and more marketable, quite frankly. And it's more fair. I do think it's more, I think it's fairer, whatever, however you want to phrase that, but I think it's fairer to teams that have to do so much in an off season to at least have a fair shot, an exclusive shot to keep guys.
0: And that's why I brought it up because I, I, as you're speaking, it, that makes complete sense. And, and from the NBA standpoint, you know they can make trades after their done their season is quote unquote done, but they can't extend if a guy is going to be a free agent. Now, how you know? bad would it be
1: if Giannis hadn't extended? I would be thinking right. about it. I mean, Milwaukee's season would be in the absolute tanks right now if yes. they had him on that roster. You know, I mean, it'd be it'd be depressing, right?
0: And then that's all we would hear about yeah. and talk about. And it would be to, to nauseam of Giannis, where's he going yeah. or who's going to trade for him or anything. And like it would that. affect,
1: it would affect good teams. Like, you know, the Lakers are trying to win another championship. The, the conversation even in LeBron James post conferences would be, Hey, is, yeah, you know, you can't say it out loud, but you'd be alluding to the fact that, Hey, you know, are you considering what might be for the next three to four years? We'd all be talking about this with all of these major teams. It would be ruining the current season, which is another part of this, right? Yeah, it is. All right. The Houston Texans are not a dumpster fire anymore. (laughs) Let's finish on this. Uh, There is some legitimate logic to what's happening right now over the past week with Houston. Uh, Sensible moves. I think good moves. I actually think good moves. And they, have, you know, they haven't made the big moves yet, and they don't have the draft picks really to do that this year. But I was wondering if they were just going to rip this down and eventually have to trade Deshaun Watson because of where they were as a team, as a unit. And now I'm convinced more than ever there's not a chance in hell he's getting traded. He may hold out, but they are making moves to be serviceable this year, and they're logical. So, for instance, restructuring David Johnson 99% of other teams just let this guy walk and reset that market and let him go get $4 million from the Atlanta Falcons, whatever it's going to be. They didn't because he's still an okay player, above average, especially at that position. And what they restructured to him, him to is perfectly agreeable in all terms, especially in this current cap climate. So that's a positive. Maybe it's just a wash because he could have gone either way, but they saved some caps. So I give them a slight positive on that move. Then they backfill him with Mark Ingram on another very positive, you know, maybe half a million overpaid for Mark Ingram in his current, you know, the current part of his career. But a really good and nice fitting compliment to David Johnson. So you've got, you've now got that figured out because you saved cap on Duke Johnson on letting him walk. So this is just a, we've fixed that hole with two guys that we like. Then they go <laughs> this morning and they trade. Inside linebacker McKinney for edge rusher Shaq Lawson. So a guy who can get you hundred tackles, he's out the door. He goes to Miami. A guy who's got 20, 20 and a half sacks over the past two and a half seasons from Miami comes to Houston. And oh, by the way, fills that J.J. Watt spot pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Younger, yes. you know, maybe a little bit higher ceiling. Not J.J. Watt. I'm not going to say that out loud, but fill the need. Filled, now you've got two needs filled. You filled the hole of J.J. Watt, and you've basically padded a running back hole, which is going to be necessary if you don't have a starting quarterback, by the way. So they lose their inside linebacker, McKinney. They already replaced him 24 hours ago on a $4 million contract to Christian Kirksey, who was released out of Green Bay. Cap savings, big time cap savings there, starting inside linebacker replaced. That's a plus in this year. Then today, in the middle of the Drew Brees-Taysom Hill drama, they acquire right tackle Marcus Cannon from the Patriots. Now, right there, generally speaking, if the Patriots are trading somebody, it's not good news for the new team. There's a legitimate reason why they're trading him, and you probably don't want to see what it is in the next year or two. That's not the case here, because the Patriots already acquired Trent Brown from the Raiders to, to be their right tackle. So this was just, mm-hmm. all right, we have two right tackles. We can get some value to get rid of Marcus Cannon. Let's send him to Houston, who needs a right tackle to bookend Laramie Tunzel. Huge move. Phenomenal move, especially if you don't have a starting quarterback, okay? <laughs> now you've got a right tackle replaced. Upgraded, I should say. Right tackle upgraded. You've got an inside linebacker replaced, and you inside linebacker swapped for a pass rusher. More value. Running back situation. Good. This all sounds a little bit too logical and sensible, right? Based on what we've seen from Houston over the past two years. I mean, really, really crazy stuff. I'm excited to see where else this goes and what are, what they doing going to be enough moves and enough, you know, is it going to create enough, I guess, you know, positive vibes to get the Sean Watson on the field at some point in this year. I, Clearly, that's the plan. Like I'm telling you, they're not doing this to tank. Now, maybe this is going to be all for A.J. McCarron, who could be thrown out there to play quarterback, but they are not tanking in terms of what I'm seeing right now. And these are good, smart, cap-sensible, football-sensible moves. So I got to give them credit where it's due, because we've been crushing them now for three, four months, uh, really ever since the Bill O'Brien era. So something to keep an eye on. They might be sneaky big buyers in the next couple of days. You know, they mm-hmm. may be in on one of these wide receivers because if Will Fuller is going to walk, that's a replacement. They may be in on a couple positions that have some uh, free agent depth out there. So not a terrible he- situation right now, even though Houston's been a lot of bad.
0: Yeah, my, my here's my take on it. Houston has time on their side, yep. and they're taking advantage of it by dragging their feet with the Deshaun Watson fiasco, and they're 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 sort of doing what the Milwaukee Bucks had to do with Giannis in <laughs> bringing in players that they're showing that they're they're making smart football moves to show Deshaun Watson that ah, we know what we're doing.
1: That's a point I didn't make in that little rant about the question you asked. By the way, these pre-agency moves, it's not just about changing your roster or or improving your roster or keeping your roster it is also that, Scott, it's a warning shot to the rest of the available free agents that, hey, we're in buy mode. We're in gas pedal down mode. We're not in don't know who we are mode or tank mode. It is that warning shot. That's what the Arizona Cardinals did with J.J. Watt. That's clearly what the bills are doing, right? Gas pedal down. And I think that's what Houston is doing here slightly. Just just trying to, to clean up a lot of mess, a lot of you know public PR mess, that has been warranted or not. That's not for me to say, but you're right. These moves are stability moves that, hey, we we kind of know what we're doing. We, 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 we figure this out quickly. We know where our gaps are, where our holes are, and we know the situation we may be getting into with 2021, but give us a shot here. We may overpay for Juju or somebody like that. Let, 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 give us a shot. Let's try to get this thing back together and back on its on its wheels quicker than maybe most people think we can do it. So that's a big part of the pre-agency process too, is just showing other, other players and agents who the hell you are as a team right now, you know? Yeah,
0: absolutely. You're right. It's right now it's all a marketing ploy leading up to, uh, you know, being able to negotiate with yeah. these players and you're right. It, it, but the fact that, Deshaun is already under contract, and they can drag their feet. They don't have to. They don't have to trade him immediately because the player is saying, "I want to be traded immediately." If he doesn't play, they're gonna do all the roster moves that they have to do to put a team on the field in 2021. And whether Deshaun is there is, you know, it's in the balls in both courts, you know, more so in Deshaun's because the, the the Texans are going to have all these players on the roster and they're making these moves. They're, they're making trades. They're showing him that it's part of it. We're open. We're open for business. And regardless of if you want to be traded or not, we're going to show you what we can do right now Yeah,
1: and and hope, and that by the way, it's not it's not just doing it for his services. It's not just reckless. We got we got we got to impress this guy. That's not what these moves are. These are calculated, logical moves. So it's both, Scott. But two two points. Number one, because this is something I failed to mention in my other Sean talk. If he sits out the whole year, a he loses a ton of money. You know what I mean? He, he it'll he'll be fined all offseason and preseason but his actual contract will toll. Do you understand what that means? So his $10.54 million base salary will push to next year, which if Mm. you can figure this out, Houston, and get above average with some roster moves right now, and then you get that guy back, something happens, and he decides to come back and be be your QB1 next year, and you get him on that salary with a cap boom, with with a cap hit that jumps, a lead cap, right? Now, now you're ready to play because now you've fixed your roster somewhat. You've told a contract that was very, very team friendly. And you can kind of do some things at that point. Last question. When do the Texans sign Andy Dalton?
0: I, as you're talking, I was thinking Andy Dalton or Fitz Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sure.
1: But Dalton's a Texas guy. He's yes. just, uh, it, it makes perfect sense. And he was serviceable In-house. last year for Dallas outside of the COVID yeah. thing. He was a serviceable quarterback. It yeah, is the DeSean perfect, is- it is the perfect post in the post in the moon kind of move, right? Like, Hey, we got to yeah. do it. We got to cover our butts just for the foreseeable future. You know, we'll give him the same contract he had in Dallas incentive laden, couple mil guaranteed, but we're not screwing around with you sitting over there. He's there for a good reason. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson has every right in the world to gripe. He does. Okay. There were, there were things behind the scenes that none of us should have to go through. And he definitely did go through it. And he wasn't a part of the plan where he thought he was going to be a part of the plan. With that said, Houston's going to play 17 games this year, with or without him. And I think Andy Dalton is probably the right guy to come on that roster and just keep his mouth shut and go, which is probably what they need from that guy right now, because it, it might get ugly, you know. James Harden kind of kind of laid a groundwork for how you can get out of Houston, and it wasn't pretty, and it was bad, and a lot of people aren't gonna root for James Harden forever because of it. Um, so if Deshaun wants to go that route, it can get bad. It can get it can get nasty. But yeah, I just think they've done a, a good job turning the ship here a little bit, and I do I do think like an Andy Dalton signing is coming in in this week or so.
0: Yeah, I would completely agree with that.
1: That's enough. This is only 5% of what's to come. Tomorrow is the actual tampering window, and uh, we're going to hear plenty more. Like I said, we'll get to that Aaron Jones Jones contract when we get the full full breakdown, and I can tell you the nuts and bolts of it. But there's plenty more to get to, of course. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription. Do it now. There's going to be plenty to get to over the next couple of weeks here. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.